Hey, we're going to continue a series that we've been working through, and it's called Unoffendable. We've taken it from a book, this book. Maybe you're reading along. We've tried to make these available for cheap to free for you. Free if you need it. Five bucks if you can afford it. And uh, it's just been a, a really thought-provoking challenging to our spiritual walk with God kind of book. And so if you're reading that, then some of what we say in this sermon is like, oh, I remember hearing about that in the book. We've tried to take the big ideas and the principles from that book and uh, the scriptures that those come from and just look at what that means to our lives. So I'm glad that you're here to be a part of that. And I wanted to start this morning with a question. Um, and this is really just how do, how do you think? How do you perceive the world? Do you think that humans are naturally good... Okay? And they sometimes do bad things. Or do you think that humans are naturally bad and they sometimes do good things? Really that's like a one or the other kind of way at looking in the world. Usually I like to think that I'm naturally good and other people are naturally bad. But I know that that's not true. It's really one or the other. So do you believe that humans are naturally bad, or sorry, naturally good but capable of doing bad things? Or are they naturally bad but capable of sometimes stumbling across good things? And we believe as a church is sometimes a, a downer as it seems when you first realize it. We believe that humans have what's called in scripture a sin nature. That we're actually naturally sinful. And sometimes we do good things. Sometimes God can use people who are naturally sinful to do good things. And this is what we want to look at today. And we really want to uh, say we need to stop being surprised. So here's the thing. If, if you think that people are just you know, naturally good, and it's the rare exception that someone could possibly think or say or do evil, then we're, we're, we're really offended that they would think that way or talk that way or do that thing, right? And if we want to be unoffendable, it's better to be less surprised. If we can realize, as Scripture says, now if you want to read Genesis chapter 3, God did create a perfect place, and he gave humans the opportunity to live there, and uh, there was one rule, and then he said, once you have sin, it stays with you. That's what causes decay and death. The ground is cursed. You know, pain in, in giving birth is part of that curse. The weeds in your garden, the fact that you have to work so hard to, to create, you know, have a living, all of this comes from this curse, and then it's passed down through our DNA to your kids and your grandkids and through history. Uh, we are naturally evil. Now, you don't like to think that you're naturally evil because you're trying to be a good person. We don't like to, you know, accuse our spouses and our kids of, uh, like, oh, my, my sweet little five-year-old is naturally evil. Like, you don't want to think that, but it makes me be less surprised when someone is rude or when I watch the news and I can't stand it any longer or whatever it is in this world or with people that we realize, okay, that's their natural self. Unfortunately, that's the result of sin. We see that in, in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, and then in Romans chapter 3, it says this. Oh, I'm sorry. We should be not shocked. But Romans chapter 3 says this. All, all humans have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is what we believe as a church. This is what is uh, from New Testament all the way back through the Old Testament. We see that humans have a sin nature. We're born sinners and beyond that, we sin ourselves. No one would raise their hand and say, I'm perfect, actually. I have never actually done a sin. We, we know that we are imperfect. You know, a lot of people would say things like, well, I'm not perfect, right? Or uh, if someone accuses you of something, you're like, well, of course, I'm not perfect. And no, you're not. None of us are. We're all sinners. We have a sinful nature. And so we can be unshocked. John chapter 2, there's a couple of really interesting verses about how Jesus perceived people. 
The crazy thing is, uh, Brad Hansen mentions this in the book. I had to rip open my Bible and look at it because I'm like, I've read John chapter 2. I've read the book of John more than once, and I don't remember this sticking out so clearly. But look what it says. This is Jesus uh, with a crowd of people. So right after he did these miracles, and, and people are like in love with Jesus and all, it says this. Jesus didn't trust them because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind was really like. See, Jesus read Genesis chapter 3. Jesus was familiar with the fact that by sin, we have a sinful nature that on our own, we cannot be right with God. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot earn forgiveness. And we're naturally bad people who maybe can sometimes be capable of doing good, but not because we're naturally good. And so Jesus didn't trust people because he knew human nature. No one needed to tell him what mankind was really like. So interesting that Jesus was not shocked by humans. He didn't walk around constantly being like, I can't believe they would say that. I can't believe he would do that. I can't believe she has that kind of a sin problem. He wasn't shocked by people. Um, in the book, Grant Hansen says it so well. He says this, Jesus encountered one moral mess after another, and he was never taken aback by anyone's morality, ever. Read, just read the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you'll see Jesus deals with people who are outcasts, who are, are known to be sinners, who are caught red-handed having, you know, an adulterous affair. Like, all on and on, he meets people who are broken, sinful, way apart from his glorious standard. And he doesn't shun them. He doesn't judge them. He loves them. He offers healing. He offers food. He offers forgiveness of sins and eternal life. He encountered one moral mess after the other, and he never you know, dismissed the person because of it. In fact, the only people that he really rails against are the religious leaders who think they've got it all together and they don't really need a savior. He's always telling them that they're messed up, but people who are sinful, he understands. He's not shocked by their sinfulness. He's not shocked by your sin. In fact, he offers you and I forgiveness of sins that we don't deserve. He laid down his life to pay the price the penalty for our sin because he wasn't taken aback by it. He's not surprised that you have a sin problem, as do I. And so he, he lays down his life. So we should not be shocked either. We want to be people who are not surprised. Now, this is not saying that whatever someone does or says or believes is totally okay. You know, whatever we see on the news, no big deal. It's not that Christians say no big deal and that's okay. Whatever's, you know, what's popular in our world is people would say, well, whatever you believe is fine for you. Whatever I believe is fine for me. We don't need to get into it as long as you believe something. You know, that's not what we're saying as believers in Jesus. We're saying there is right and wrong. There is sin and, and there's, a there's a penalty for sin. But praise Jesus, he paid mine and he offers to cover yours as well. But he's not surprised. And so we can live in a world realizing sadly that humans all are sinful people. And God can actually do amazing things with our mess, but we're a mess apart from Jesus. And uh, it reminds me of this story of like if you're, if you're not surprised like the same situation can go better for you. My family is big boaters. We love to water ski and swim in dirty rivers and all kinds of stuff. And so my daughter, I think was about five. She was pretty young. You know, we always wanted to be like, you're supposed to be water skiing when you're six months, right? Like that was our goal or whatever. So she's uh, either trying to learn to ski or tubing and she's all by herself. And so before she got in the water, you know, because you either don't get up or eventually you fall. And I tried to explain to her, hey, when you fall or when you're laying in this, you know, rapid river all by yourself and 
uh, and the boat keeps going. You know, it really only keeps going for a few seconds, but when you're in the water, especially as a little kid for the first time, you feel like maybe they forgot about me, right? And so I just remember like she's really young and I tried to have this like pre-conversation to say, hey, don't worry, we will turn around. We will, you know, your life jacket will keep you up. There's no sharks. You know, I just tried to like have this conversation to warn her. So uh, sure enough, she goes and has her turn and she ends up laying in the water and the boat, you know, has to like keep going and slow down and turn around and, and you can't come back full speed because you like blow them over with a wave. And so you're kind of putzing back. And I just remember thinking, oh, my, my little girl, hopefully she's not like freaking out right now. And we got back and she's just like, you know, going up and down in the water with a huge smile on her face. And I was, I was like, you know, are you okay? How was that? And she's like, oh, it's okay, Dad. I, you told me that you guys would come back for me. And, like, because she wasn't surprised by the fact that the boat will keep going for a little while before we slowly make our way back to you, she wasn't surprised. And so she wasn't offended. She wasn't freaking out. She wasn't crying, right? Now, if I hadn't told her that, she might have thought, like I did my first time, did they see me fall? Did they forget I'm back here? Is anyone paying attention, you know, because five seconds feels like an eternity when you're left all alone in a body of water. And so when we're less surprised, we're actually less offendable. When we see it coming, it doesn't hurt so bad. If I came up and just like slugged you in the shoulder, I mean, I'm not that strong, it wouldn't hurt that bad, but it, you know, it'd you'd be ticked, it would bother you, it would hurt. If you knew that, was, if I told you, hey, I'm going to punch you in the shoulder, you might still feel it, but it wouldn't bother you as much, right? Because you're not as surprised. Like Jesus was not shocked, and so uh, he was able to deal with people way better. When we can get over the shock, the appall that she would say such a thing, they would do such a thing, that that really exists. Not that it's right, not that we're condoning it, but, but to not be so shocked, we'll be less offendable. And I believe we'll be better representations of our Lord to show his love to other people. You know, this is even true with, like, if you've ever experienced the death of someone close to you. I feel like the more suddenly and surprising that it is, the harder it is to deal with. Uh, if you've had someone that's been sick for a long time or is very, very old, you're sad to lose them, but it's just kind of uh, emotionally a little softer to handle because you saw it coming. But when someone dies and it's sudden and it's shocking, you know, the tragic feeling that you have, the emotional response is so much more difficult to to kind of get through because of the surprise factor. And it's the same thing with human nature. When we see humans as they really are and we're not shocked, we'll be less offendable. That's what Brant says in his book. That's what we see from Jesus, and I felt like it was so smart. So let's not live in a state of perpetual shock where we're blown away with the world and the people that we're surrounded by and how could they and how dare they and I can't believe that. And um, let's be a little less shocked like Jesus was, and so we'll be a little less offendable. The next thing we see Jesus do, and this is amazing, in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about Jesus's mindset as he goes to the cross. See, he knew the end of the story. He knew it was going to be brutal. He didn't really want to go through it, but look at his mindset. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, we should fix our eyes on Jesus, the trailblazer and perfecter of our faith. And this is the crazy part. For the joy set before him. See, he considered the cross a joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He didn't want to be brutally tortured and, and, and killed for no reason as the innocent victim, but he knew that he had joy, not because it was going to be fun, but because of what he was going to be used to do, what God was going to use his sacrifice to accomplish for you and for me. And then the author of Hebrews says this, so, oh, I gotta go back one, it says, consider him 
who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The more offendable we are and upset and bothered and angry at people and the world and our situations, uh, we start to get weary and we start to lose heart. And the author of Hebrews says, think about Jesus who went through incredible trials and very realistic suffering and a brutal death and publicly humiliated. But he wasn't shocked because he knew it was coming and he actually was glad to take the cross for you and for me. And when we consider what he went through and his mindset with it, we cannot grow weary and lose heart. See, what we learn is Jesus was not shocked and he was not cynical either. He wasn't giggling on the cross because it was no big deal. He, he didn't say, you know what, I get humans, I know the human heart. I'm not going down there to offer myself for them. Because he knew that as much as he wasn't surprised by our sin and he wasn't shocked, he knew that we needed a savior. And, and, and the problem with, if you realize that uh, humans are naturally evil, who sometimes do good, we can become really cynical. And, and, and like, yeah, I'm not shocked because everybody is mean and everybody is rude and everybody is sinful. And, and we can just kind of, you know, stop caring and become cynical. You know, cynical is, uh, cynicism is having a right perspective on a situation, but totally devoid of love. Jesus was not cynical. He had great love. In fact, Scripture says that God is rich in love and mercy. And so that's why he came to earth to make a way to be right with God when there was no way for us to do that on our own. He wasn't shocked and put off by our sin, but he wasn't cynical either. And as Christians, as his followers, we're called to be people who aren't shocked and offended all the time at the world. But we're not cynical either. We're not just hard-hearted and we don't care and forget them. They're evil anyways. That we look at people who are lost with love in our hearts, the same way that our Savior has looked at us, that he's called his followers to not be shocked and to not be cynical, but instead to be hope. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus offers me hope for my sin situation that I can't fix. He offers hope. For your life, he offers hope. He offers hope to anyone who believes. He came to the world to offer hope. And when he left the world, he left his followers in charge to say, I want you to bring my hope, my good news to the world. That his, his followers, Christians, if you're a Christian like I am, that we should try hard not to be shocked by the world, but not to be cynical about the world, and instead to live a loving offer of hope to everyone that we meet. To tell people who, you know, may be shockingly evil that there's hope for them. To tell people who have hurt our feelings more than once that there's hope for them. To not become cynical against this world that's so against God, but instead to offer hope. Jesus offers hope to everyone, and he asks his followers to offer hope for everyone. We've got to get over being shocked at human nature. We can just say, you know what? That's not shocking. You know, I'm not so surprised that she said that. Especially if she said that like eight other times last week about somebody else, right? Like, I mean, sometimes we just realize that it, it, maybe you've heard someone say, really? I can't believe that. You know, um, like me, you turn on your news feed or, uh, you know, TV news or whatever, and like it's appalling and you eventually turn it off. Now, I'm not saying that you just watch, 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 and it's not going to, you know, affect your heart. Uh, my wife and I actually said, we should watch less news because it can sometimes make us angry and negative. And so it, we're trying not to be shocked, but we also don't want to be cynical. And there's sometimes for some of us, there's a really real thing about guarding your heart that you would say, okay, when I spend time with this person or when I go to this place or when I watch this news feed, like, or whatever it is, like, you know kind of what sets you off. And another thing we see in scripture is to guard our hearts. And so we shouldn't be shocked by human nature. We can understand like Jesus did. 
what's in the human heart. And we don't want to become cynical because we want to be bringers of hope to the world. But it is appropriate also to guard our hearts. And then we can, instead of focusing on the negative and the offensive and the shocking human people that we live with, we can instead focus on the beauty that God brings out of our messes. That God redeems people, people who don't deserve it, people who are dirty, sinners, rotten, doomed apart from him. He loved them and he saves them. And then he uses them to do really good things. So instead of just focusing on negative and being shocked by it, we should focus on positive and praise God for it. Praise God that he would save me from my sins. You could say the same. Praise God that he, you know, saves someone else from their, or that he uses someone in amazing ways for the people who serve in this church and the way that God works through them. That's what's amazing. Brant Hansen says it really, really well in his book. I'm going to read you this quote. <clears throat> he talks about this idea of instead of focusing on the sinful normal in our world, let's instead focus on the exception that God does. Because we're evil people who God can use to do good. And that's amazing. He says this, war is not exceptional. Peace is. Worry is not exceptional. Trust is. Decay is not exceptional. Restoration is. Anger is not exceptional. Gratitude is. Selfishness is not exceptional. Sacrifice is. Defensiveness is not exceptional. Love is. And judgmentalism is not exceptional. But grace is. See the difference that a, a shift in our mindset makes? It's so easy to be overwhelmed by the evil and the, the grimy and the annoying, frustrating world that we live in and people that we put up with. But instead of being shocked and offended by that, let's look for where God has redeemed a life, where God is using someone, where God is working good from evil, who used to be evil sinners, and then say, praise God for what he can do despite us. Praise God what he can do despite me. And we've got an awesome opportunity to practice that this morning. Um, across our three services, we have actually 13 people who are going to be baptized. Now, we don't believe that baptism makes you a Christian. We believe that baptism is for someone who's put their faith in Jesus to go public with that faith. It's an outward expression of something that's already happened inside of their heart. That they have decided to trust the Lord as their Savior, to receive forgiveness, and to follow Him. And now they get to share their story with you so that you can be encouraged. So that we can, instead of being shocked and offended by what happens in our world, we can praise God for how He redeems people. And so we're going to praise God as it happens. You'll see uh, videos where they get to share their story. And um, Reese is going to come back out and just kind of lead us in some, in some song. And so you can sing along or you can just worship quietly in your heart. Um, but I want to help you focus on God doing good in a broken world. And God redeeming broken people for his glorious purposes. And then as we go this week, if we can live that way, we will bring hope to the world. And we can be realistic about where we live and who we're surrounded by. But not become cynical about it. We can be less offendable and more useful to do exactly what Jesus asked us to do, to bring hope to whoever we encounter. So uh, please watch these videos and enjoy, and then worship with us.